they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. Amen. Amen. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Shall be saved. Gracious Heavenly Father, once again, Lord, we just love you and count it an awesome privilege to be in your house today, God. We just thank you, Lord, for your presence that we have felt uh, this day, God, and each and every day. Father, we're just so grateful and thankful, Lord, that you're with us everywhere that we go. And God, we just ask that you just continue, Lord, to pour your spirit out upon us here today. Help us, Lord, to have our hearts, Lord, in the right place, God, to receive everything that you have for us here today. And God, may you receive, God, with gladness, our praise and our adoration back to you. For Father, we truly love you. We truly bless you. Truly, God, we are thankful so much, as we said earlier, God, for you and all that you do for us and all that you represent to us. God, we love you today. We want you to know that above all else. God, that we love you, Lord. And if we don't receive another blessing from you, it doesn't change what we think about you and how much we love you. For you gave the greatest gift of all. And all of us in here know, God, that you've given your son, Jesus. And that's enough. So, Father, we just thank you for that. And again, I pray, Lord, that what's said and done today would be just a sweet, sweet smell in your nostrils today, God. And, Lord, that it would bless your heart tremendously. Father, we love you, thank you, praise you. In Jesus' precious and holy name, and all God's children said, Amen, Amen. Let's give him a hand clap of praise as we take our seats. We'll dismiss our young people tonight as they get ready to go back and just continue to pray for them and uh, pray uh, for their teachers today. Amen. I was praying for uh, each one of you today as I was in the church here and, and just asking God to touch and to bless each and every one that's here and the message that he has for us tonight. Just thinking about God and how awesome he is and how deserving he is of our prayer and, and awesome and how much deserving rather he is of our praise. God is uh, truly, truly awesome and, and God has done so much for all of us and I just wonder sometimes if we truly, truly, when we, when we lift up his name and when we're worshiping, do we really understand how awesome he is, right? And what, uh, what he has done for us and what, uh, what he is worth. God is so awesome. He truly is. And I was thinking about this message here and I was thinking about just that. And, and in Numbers chapter 11, if you have your Bible, want to go over there with us. Numbers chapter 11, we'll start at verse 1. But just thinking about the fact that it can happen here, right? And, and it's all about praise. It's all about adoration to God. It's all about our hunger. It's not necessarily about our cravings, but it's about our hunger, right? And there is a distinct difference between hunger and, and craving. And I'm Brother Danny to put this on the board for you. This is just something that God laid on my heart today, and I thought it was so good. The difference between hunger and craving, hunger is when you become empty to the point of fatigue, or of death, right? That's what hunger is, right? See, babies eat to live, right? They are hungry, and so they eat to survive. Is that right? Now, when you get to my age, I live to eat. There's a difference, right? So eating to live and living to eat. Keep that in mind as we're looking into this message. But hunger is, is when you get so empty 
right, that, that if you don't soon feel that emptiness, that fatigue will set in and it will cause eventually death if you continue in that state. That's what hunger is. But craving is totally different. Craving is a longing for something not due to hunger, but rather desire. Is that right? So when you and I say, I'm hungry. Now, y'all can look at me and say, tell me I'm not hungry, right? I may be craving something to eat, but I'm not hungry to the point of fatigue or death. At my state, two weeks from now, would be where I'd be at that point, right? If I never ate anything else. Uh, I, I'm just, you know, I'm not, I'm not hungry anymore. I just crave certain things, okay? And that's the difference between hunger and craving. I would say to you today that God's presence and His blessing that He wants to pour out on us that we was talking about in Acts chapter 2 can certainly happen right here, right? Right here in Hodges, South Carolina. It can happen right here. I was studying up on the Azusa Street Revival. I don't know if many of you remember the Azusa Street Revival. I don't think so looking around the room. None of y'all were born in 1905, probably. But the Azusa Street Revival began in 1905. I'm sorry, 1908. And it continued until 1915. Can I get an amen? amen. 1908 to 1915. Eight plus years it went on in Los Angeles, California. Okay? Azusa simply means A to Z in the USA. That's what that name stood for, Azusa Street. Everybody from A to Z is welcome in the United States in this revival. That's what Azusa, Azusa stood for, Azusa Street. Today in Los Angeles, the only thing remaining of that building is just a wall. That's the only thing that's remaining. Time Magazine said that it was one of the 100 most influential things that happened in the world, the Azusa Street Revival. Went on again for eight plus years. They say that more missionaries and more preachers, in fact, the Pentecostal movement began at Azusa Street in Los Angeles, California. It said it forever changed the world. This was before the internet. This was before all the stuff that you and I have today. The telephones, the cell phones, all this stuff that you and I got to get this stuff out on the media, right? Te even TVs themselves was not something that people had very much of in 1908. So it, but, so it's, but, but this revival spread all over the world so quickly, but it was done by the presence of God. Started in Azusa Street and then began to move all over the world, Right? That happened in 1908. Then there was a movement that took place in Pensacola, Florida in 1995. We know it as the Brownsville Revival. They began praying for that revival in 1993, two years prior to the revival breaking out at the Brownsville Church in Pensacola, Florida. Right, Great move of God taking place in that particular area. Today we know of a revival breaking out at Asbury College, Asbury University. That is an independent college, Christian college, in Kentucky. And that revival broke out last week, and it's been going on for about a week now. It broke out, on, I believe it was on Sunday of last week, uh, or, or I think Wednesday of last week, when they were having chapel, and it continues on today. Three different, three different facilities on the, in, the, in the place there, and all three of them are full, and people are standing in line to get there. Right now, these aren't older people like myself. These are these are Generation Z mainly, right? That 18 to 30, that range is what's taking place there. God is pouring His Spirit out upon these folks, 
people that are hungry. If you go and look at this and study what's taking place in Kentucky at Asbury College, it's the same thing that was happening in Pensacola, Florida, and it's the same thing that was happening at Azusa Street. They were people that were hungry for God. They weren't craving certain things of God. They were hungry for God, Sister Lynn. That's what was happening, right? At Azusa Street in Pensacola, Florida, and now we see an Asbury um, College or Asbury University in Kentucky. But revivals have been happening in a lot of places. These are just some that are well known because they began to, they happen in such a large number. But God's been pouring revival out on people for years. Amen? And His desire is to, you know, to, to do that very same thing in all people. Right? Revival is what happens in our hearts. It revives that which is there. You've heard me say that before. Right? When you revive something, that means you have once had something and you have lost it and now it's going to be revived. Is that right? That's what revival is. Revival is not some big movement, right, that takes place. It's a movement that happens in our hearts and in our lives. And when one or two people get hungry for the presence of God, then He begins to revive them. And once He revives them, then that fire, that flame begins to move. And when it moves, it moves on other people. See, this is what happened in all three of these revivals. This is what just happened in Asbury University. It said they had chapel and they had normal chapel service. The preacher preached like normal. But at the end of the service, as I said there was people sitting there. They continued to seek God. They continued to pray. They continued to, continued to praise God. And the next thing that happened was an outpouring of God's presence happened and people started being drawn back to the sanctuary. Right? And isn't that what the Bible says? If I be lifted up, I'll draw them in unto me. Is that right? If I be lifted up. Lift up what? Praise. If, I'm, if I am praised, if I am honored, if I am glorified, if I am sought after... He said, I'll draw people to me, right? Because everybody's hungry for a great move of God. Listen, you've heard me say this many times from this pulpit. I do not believe that God is done with this world. I don't believe that. You hear people say, well, this is the end. God's, he's done with it. God's not done with us, amen? Because he has not fulfilled Acts chapter 2, amen? The great outpouring is happening in spurts, but this is not a spurt. This is a total wave of God's outpouring, Amen? That's what he's speaking of here. This isn't just for a church in Israel or just for a church in Kentucky or just for a church in Los Angeles or just for a church in Florida. Those are many, many outbreaks, right? That's just where the winds of change are beginning to move. Great outpourings, right? And so, but God is talking about a marvelous outpouring where he spreads that across all ages and all people all over this country and all over this world such as we've never seen before. Why am I talking about that? Because when you see something like what's happening at Asbury University right now, we need to be fanning the flames of that. We don't need to be sitting back, picking it apart, and talking about how much we think, well, maybe that's just manufactured, or I've seen some people on their cell phones there. Well, let me tell you something. Anytime there's a move of God, there's also a move of Satan. Amen? There are going to be people that are there just to spectate, there's going to be people there that are just going to be going through the motions, looking like they're part of that, right? That's where Satan comes in. But there's going to be a group of people in there worshiping God, amen? And because they're worshiping God, this outpouring is happening, amen? That's what's taking place. And so when we see all this happening, we need to get involved, amen? And I can't help but think about last Wednesday when Noel and I were gone, we were watching 
live on Facebook, and I remember just feeling and thinking, man, that is a wonderful message and such a powerful, powerful statement that was made by God through Pastor Keith to our church. And I truly believe that the winds of change began to move Wednesday night for this church. Amen? And then Sunday we begin to see a continued outpouring of His presence, and we're going to continue to see those things if we will just worship God. Amen? And if we'll just be hungry for Him. Right now, I'm not talking about us getting in here and getting excited just so we can see a big move like that and get on TV like everybody else. I'm talking about truly hungering and thirsting for God, right? Not craving God, hungering for God. Amen? You with me? See, when you crave God, you're after certain things of God. But when you hunger for God, you are after Him. Amen? You're after Him. So it can happen right here in this church in Hodges, South Carolina. Amen. Amen? And I believe God is wanting to do that, right? We're seeing those, those, those winds of change happening all over our great nation. So let's look at this story here when you read in Numbers chapter 11 since we're talking about this. I think this is so powerful when you read this and I think it, it should hit home with all of us and it should excite all of us about what God's doing right now in this country and in our church and churches around America and around this world. This is a story here in Numbers chapter 11 where the children of Israel had been delivered by God out of the bondage of the Egyptians. Okay? And they are now pressing towards this, this pinnacle, right? They're pressing toward this promise. They're pressing towards this promised land that God told them was flowing with milk and honey. In other words, flowing with His presence, right? Greater than anything, it'd be the sweetest place they've ever been. It would be the most fulfilling place they'd ever been, right? All these things, when you think about a land flowing with milk and honey, He just simply means everything that you're ever going to need is going to be there. And God wasn't just talking about physically. Remember, God talks about spiritually, amen? We take it and think about the physical side, although He does mean physically sometimes. But God was wanting them to get to a place with Him that was just a euphoria, right? It was just something that was outstanding. And so here we see the children of Israel pressing towards this pinnacle, pressing towards this one spot, right? And there was a, to begin with, there was a hunger in their hearts to get there, right? I'm talking about a couple of million people moving with Moses. The Bible says that there were 600,000 men, right? Hungry men you'll see in a minute not including the women and the children. So it's estimated around a couple of million people, two to three million people that were marching with him at this point. Can you imagine the size and the magnitude of that many people that are pressing towards one location? Guys, I want you to know, we don't have 2.5 or 3 million people at Gethsemane Church, but there are people, millions and, and hundreds of millions of people around this world that we're all pressing towards that pinnacle, right? We're all pressing towards Acts chapter 2. We're all searching for a greater outpouring of God's presence, right? Because we have tasted, as the psalmist said, and we have seen that He is good, amen? So we know what God tastes like. We know what it feels like to be in His presence. But I want to say to the church today, to all of us that are here, and anybody that might be watching live, all we have done is just tasted a little sample of what it tastes like, right? We just got a little salt on our tongues, right? We, didn't, we haven't really yet bit into God to that point where we just get, we're just, I mean, just overwhelmed by His presence. 
Even the, the revival that happened at Azusa Street, the revival that happened in Pensacola, Florida, the revival that's happening right now in Kentucky, and revivals that are happening all over this world in China today, and in, and in, and in North Korea today, and in countries that you and I never dream of God's presence moving. It's, it is moving, right? And as great as those movements are, it does not compare to the promise that he made to us in Acts chapter 2. But I do believe that those were all portions that are leading us to that point. Amen? So don't miss the revival happening in Kentucky. It is important for us as a church to when we see those things, seek God's presence. Amen? Because He's moving, right? And He wants to continue that move and that wave all around this country to those that want that, right? But this is a great outpouring. So the children of Israel were pressing toward this pinnacle, this promised land, this promise, just like the church today is continuing to press toward that great outpouring. So here they are. They're hungry for God. They're hungry for His move. They're hungry for Him doing what He promised them. And then they lose sight of that along the way. And their hunger turns from hunger to craving. Right? And this is where we're going to pick the story up here in Numbers chapter 11. They've lost their hunger now, and now they have turned to just craving, right? We just want a, a sample of what it used to be like, amen? How many people come to church saying, I just want to taste what it used to be like, is that right? We are craving, when you hear somebody say, and you've heard me say this, and I've said it myself, I want to go back to the way it was in 1950. What we're saying is, we, we crave that taste of that time but as pastor key said i love what he said tonight that was so so right on point he didn't even know it it's not about what happened here sunday it's about what can happen wednesday amen it's not about what happened in 1908 brother clay it's what could happen in 2023 amen it's not about 1995 because we can't get in a delorean and go back there amen we can't go back to 1995. We can't go back to 1908. We can't go back any, but what we can do is press forward. Amen? Forward. Press forward to what? The promise. Amen? All those people were pressing toward the same promise that you and I are pressing forward to on today. Right? But that's a craving that they were after. When we say that, we crave a little bit of what we had then. That's what we're talking about. Lord, give me a dusting of what used to be. You ever heard anybody say this? I just, I just want to, if I just make it to heaven, it don't matter. Just give me a shack on the other side of glory. Why would you want a shack when he said, in my father's house are many mansions? Amen. You with me? But we sat, we're satisfied with a taste rather than an, 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 an outpouring. Amen. And overwhelming. Right? Look, if you offer me one bite of a filet mignon, one bite with mushroom sauce on it, because I like mushrooms. Or you offer me the entire filet. Which do you think I'm going to choose? Amen? Look at me. Honestly, answer that question. What do you think I'm going to choose? The entire thing. Why would I want a bite that's going to leave me wanting when I can get the whole thing and be satisfied? Amen? Y'all with me? So as Christians... Why are we wanting just a little taste of that when we can get all of it? Amen? Why do we just want some of Jesus when we can have all of Jesus? 
There are people on Facebook right now that are, Brother Keith was telling me, but I haven't seen it yet, that are talking about this revival that's happening in Kentucky, right? And, and, and I think people are, people are running down there, right? And, and they just want to be just a little part of it, right? And, and I think they want to get a part of it and try to bring that back to their church. Listen, that revival's for that church in Kentucky. We can go down there all day long and experience it, and that's awesome, and we should. I'm not saying you shouldn't. If you've got time to go, go. Anytime there's a move of God, get in the water, amen? Get in the water. But to think you're going to go down there and get some of it and bring it back here, that's not the way it works, right? He has revival for this church. He has revival for that church. He has revival for this country and for this entire world, amen? amen. We just got to tap into it, right? And, and our hunger has to be greater than our craving. It has to be greater. We got to not be satisfied with just a, one little bite of something. We got to want the whole thing. Amen? The whole thing. And not just because it tastes good, but because it sustains life. Amen? You with me? It's not just about the taste. It's about life itself. A baby could care less about taste when they're little. When they're first born, if you don't believe it, Try some of those peas and carrots you're stiffing that baby's mouth. There ought to be a law against that. When my kids were born, I tasted some of that formula we gave them. Now, we had our kids on prosobi. It is a soy-based formula. And, I, and they drank it like it was a peanut buster parfait, Brother Joey. <laughs> my brother got one of them today for his birthday. Huh? Amen? Amen. Ain't God good? Huh? It, they eat it like it's that good, so I tasted it. I mean, nasty, gagging. I'm thinking, what in the world? And then when they went to baby food, right, Christy's feeding them that baby food, the middle of mashed peas and mashed carrots and all that stuff, you know, asparagus and all that stuff that's, that's out there, you know. She was giving them all that, and even the, the beef, the pureed beef stuff, you think, well, it's got to taste like beef. No, it don't. No, it don't. Nasty, Right? But they're not eating it because it tastes good. They're eating it to live. Their little bodies are wide open, right? So they're expending a lot of energy, so they need energy back in order to continue to keep going. That's just ingrained in them. Hunger is something that's ingrained in us. Listen, God placed hunger in you, and he placed hunger in me. And the hunger he placed in us is for him. You with me? Now look, after you give that baby... Mashed potatoes and gravy with salt and pepper on it. Their first reaction is, and they spit it out. But then give them just a minute and let that gravy settle in that tongue. You with me? And let that flavor start doing what it does. Next thing you know, they want more of it. And then they start wanting more of it to the point that you can't give them the peas and carrots anymore. They don't want your asparagus that's been strained and beat up and all that stuff anymore. They want the same thing you're eating. Is that right? It changes. So they're no longer eating to live. They're now starting to live to eat like me. You with me? That's what starts happening. Children of Israel were there. They were eating of, of God and they were living and striving and thriving. And then they began to crave certain things that they once had. Our thought process needs to be on what God has for us, not what was. Listen, Amen. chapter 11 of Numbers, verse 1. 
When the people, this is talking about the children of Israel, and they began to complain now. When the people complained, it displeased the Lord. And the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled. And the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. They began to complain. They began to moan. They began to groan about what they were dissatisfied with, with God. They were dissatisfied with what they were receiving from God. They were dissatisfied with the things that, that were being offered to them. And it, and it made God angry. It upset the Lord, if you will, to the point that fire broke out in the camp and it consumed some of those that were on the outermost parts of the camp. And the people cried unto Moses, and when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. And he, he Moses, called the name of that place Tabara, because the fire of the Lord burnt among them. He called the place Tabara, because the fire of the Lord burnt among them. Now listen. The fire that consumed the people did not consume all the people. It consumed the people that were outside of the camp. God was not upset with the children of Israel because of their passion. He was upset with them because their passion for their craving was greater than their passion for Him. You with me? Now, He didn't say the whole camp was that way, but certain ones of the camp. And when the fire of God began to move in that place, it consumed the ones that were on the outside of the camp. Now, I'm saying this to you today. I am praying for a great outpouring of God in this church. Amen? And I know some of you are too. I could feel His presence Sunday. I knew that was God. I know He's ready to do something marvelous in this church that He promised me He was going to do when He began this church. That this church was a city on a hill that could not be hid. Amen? And that His presence was going to pour out in this place in such a way that it would just move like a fire throughout this community. Your associate pastor, my pastor, told me back at the Presbyterian church several years ago, he said, Mark, I've had a, I had a dream, a vision, that, that there were people running to the altars. And he said the number was, 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 it was, it was immeasurable, the people that were flocking to God, giving their hearts to the Lord. He said, I don't even know how many it was. It was just tons and tons of people at Gethsemane, not at some other church. God is revealing what He wants to do. He's waiting on us. Amen. But the fire of God began to move in our church last Wednesday. It began, it continued on Sunday. It's going to continue in this church as long as we will seek God. Amen? And when the fire of God begins to move, it consumes those that are on the outer side, right? That don't want to be a part of it, right? Or that may be causing contention or whatever may be going on. So the warning here is, is get inside the circle of God. Amen? Don't stand outside the camp looking in. Don't be a spectator, right? Don't be one that's complaining. Get in there and worship God. Amen? How will you know if you're a worshiper or if you're just a spectator? If you're a spectator, you're paying attention to everything else that's going on around you. If you're a worshiper of God, you don't know what's going on. You just know God's in the place. Amen? You with me? That's the difference. And the fire of God will not consume us to, to the point that it will kill us. It will consume us to the point that it will elevate us. Amen? Amen? Y'all with me? The fire of God here began to fall around the people and it consumed those on the outside, but it didn't consume the ones that were on the inside of the camp. We need the fire of God to fall, amen? 
We needed to continue to fall. We needed to continue to burn, amen, in our hearts and in our lives that it will challenge us to press into God and that our hunger will be greater for him than our cravings. So the people cried unto Moses, and when he did, he cried and cried and asked God to stop the fire, and it was quenched, and he called the name of the place Tabarah because the fire of the Lord burnt among them. And that's exactly what the word means, right? That fire fell among them. And so we need that fire here as well. In verse 4, And the, the, the mixed multitude that was among them fell fell a lusting, and the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? Here comes this craving. We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. And the manna was as, as coriander seed, and the color thereof as the color of that word. We don't even have that color in my box of crayons. And the people went about and gathered it and ground it in mills and beat it on mortar and baked it in pans and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was the taste of fresh oil. One particular, one particular translation said as a pastry. In verse 9, when the dew fell upon the camp of, during the night, the manna would fall upon it. When you look at this today, there's three things I want to point out to you. Verses 4, 5, and 6, that this mixed multitude that was among them fell a-lusting, and the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, and the cucumbers and melons and the things we talked about. But now our soul is dried away, and there is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. As I said to you, God wasn't angry with them because of their intense passion for more. He was angry because their desire became greater than their hunger. Amen? Their desire became greater than their hunger. There are a lot of folks that desire certain things in the house of God, more so than God Himself. Amen? They desire certain things to be done because it's the way we've always done them. Some people's cravings and desires are that we would have church at this time instead of this time that we would have this pews instead of chairs. There are people that have all these desires of God, even desires such as we want to see the signs that follow believers, right? There are people that chase nothing but signs in churches. Nothing wrong with being hungry for, the, for seeing God's wonders move in a church. There's nothing wrong with that. But when our craving for the things of God become greater than God seeking God Himself, that's when it becomes an issue. And you're never going to be satisfied when, you, when you're chasing your cravings rather than chasing God. Amen? Chasing your hunger. The hunger that's in us is genuine and it's real. We have a hard time distinguishing between hunger and craving. Amen? We do. We have a hard time. But in fact, most of us would categorize hunger and craving as the same thing. Here's how I know that. Because we say, I have a hunger pain. Is that right? I have a hunger pain. And as I said to you earlier, most of us in the United States don't know what that is. A true hunger pain. When you look at these little kids in Ethiopia and their stomachs are swelled out, it's not because they ate too many cheeseburgers. It's because they haven't eaten, eaten at all. And what's happening inside their little bodies, their stomachs are bloating. Right? These things, are, it's, they have great, they have, they have just diminished to hardly nothing, but their little bellies are poked out. Right? They have a true hunger pain. 
They don't have a, they don't have a craving. I would venture to say that if you threw a nasty pot of spinach in amongst them people, and I say it's nasty because I can't eat it. It tastes like grass to me, and I know no matter how many, how many ham hocks you put in there, it doesn't matter to me, I still taste grass. But you could take that stuff and throw it in amongst those little children and they will devour it. They're not going to sit back and say, oh no, I'm going to wait until you put pork chops in here. This isn't what I want, right? So they're not truly hungry, as I said to you last week. They're not hungry, they're just craving something. And so when God's presence began to move in a church, here's what you hear. Well, that's not what I was looking for. Is that right? Because God didn't move the way we think he should move. We say, well, that wasn't God. Is that right? Listen, you've put a, you put a cheeseburger in here, and you let that aroma fill the building. You call it what you want to call it, but it's still a cheeseburger. It doesn't change the fact that it's a cheeseburger. So when God's presence moves in a church building... It doesn't matter how discomforted me and you are or how much we want to argue the point that it wasn't God's presence. It doesn't change the fact that it was His presence. What we're really saying is, Lord, I want you to move, but that wasn't the way I was expecting you to move, so I'm not moved. Right? And so we quench the Spirit of God. What I'm saying to you and I today is if we'll get ourselves in such a place that we are hungry for God, we're not going to question whether it's Him moving or something else moving you're going to know it's the presence of God. Amen? And most cases, God's moving is not going to be the way any of us in here expect it to be. Amen? I would say to you today, if you are hungry for a great move of God in this church, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that probably what you are expecting in your mind to happen is not going to happen. Amen? Because God is God, and He's going to pour His, His Spirit out upon us and manifest His presence in this place in such a way that we've never seen before. Amen? Amen. You see what I'm saying? See, this is, what's, this is what I'm telling you. We're all looking for God to move a certain way because this is the way He moved then. But you can't put God in a bottle. Amen? Amen. You can't capture Him and put Him in a bottle and say, now let me explain to you what a great move of God looks like. When you see this happen, this happen, this happen, and this happen, that's when you know it's a great move of God. But that's when you know it was a great move of God then. But the move of God now is going to be totally different. You and I are going to walk out of here and go, I don't know what just happened. See, when I read about the Azusa Street Revival, those folks are mesmerized. They really don't even know what happened. They don't know how it happened. They just got ideas of how it happened. They start telling you what they saw. Maybe that was it but they couldn't tell you exactly how it happened. There were things happening then, Brother Ron, that they never experienced before in a church service. There were people being slain in the Spirit in this church service, and some people never saw that before. There were people speaking in other tongues, and, they, and this was at a time when they hadn't been seeing much of that. They saw people starting to get healed, and people from churches all around, Methodist churches and, and all kinds of different churches, Baptist churches, had never seen nothing like that before. All this stuff started happening. Same thing when I read in Pensacola. They don't even know. They know they prayed seeking God's face, but it just happened on Father's Day, 1995. They walked into service that day expecting a normal Father's Day service, it said. Going through the motions of, you know, we're going to call up the oldest dad and youngest dad or two or three dads or whatever it may be. That was how they approached the service that day. 
But a revival broke out and people were leaving there and they had no idea what just happened. These folks, when you read about it in Kentucky that we're reading about at Asbury, they, they don't know what happened. They just know they had a church service, a few people stayed over, next thing you know, they got nowhere to put all these people, right? So you can't just, you can't just say here's how it's supposed to be. When God moves, He's going to move and His children are going to know it. If you and I are in tune with Him when the fire drops, be in a circle, amen? Because you're going to know it's God. If you're outside the circle, you're going to be leaving scratching your head going, those people are crazy. I didn't think they'd ever stop. I'm so hungry. Oh, that's one of the worst things you could ever hear somebody say leaving a church service, spiritually speaking. When somebody leaves church and saying, I'm hungry, man, what a terrible thing. Is that not right? That's what happens though, right? When the Spirit of God moves in the church, I've been there before where God poured His Spirit out greatly in a service before and there were people all over the altars praying and I can remember praying for people and it just the presence of God, your hair was standing up. You'd pray and pray and pray and pray and oblivious to what's happening behind you. Just pray and pray and hours, two hours, three hours go by and when everything calms down, you turn around, there's nobody in the audience, right? Or just a few people left. You ever seen that? What happened? Their cravings were greater than their hunger. Amen? You with me? They had a greater craving for the things that were waiting on them outside. Right? I got to go eat. I promised such and such I'd be there to eat with them. I got to go watch my, my favorite show. It comes on at 8 o'clock. You with me? I got to go this. I got to that. I got to this. I got to that. Our craving was greater than our hunger. And we missed the move of God. Not only did we miss the move of God, but the next time that we were in church or when we seen our people, our friends outside of church, they said, what took you so long? Well, you know how long we did them preachers can get. Right? Oh, you know, Brother Damon, old vein popped out and he started preaching a little bit longer. Right? Spirit of God hit Brother Joe and he started walking around the church. You'll have church people praying that Sister Lynn don't receive a blessing from God because it's going to hold them up. Amen. I have done that myself. Amen. Before I ever understood what the power of God was and the presence of God and how great it was, I can remember I was saved, but I remember thinking, dear God, if Sister Barbara gets turned loose here, we'll be here another two hours. <laughs> I'd done that thing. And I see her start dancing. I said, oh, here we go. You know? Because Christy was in tune. She wasn't going to leave, and I couldn't just leave her. Right? Y'all know I'm telling you the truth. Our hunger's got to be greater than our craving. And the move of God that's going to happen at Hodges, South Carolina, right here in this church, not down at that church, not at that church, I'm telling you, there is an outpouring of God about to happen in here. In fact, it's already started, and it's going to be marvelous. Marvelous. And what we're going to see, we've never seen before. Amen? Never seen. Never seen it before. And we're not going to be able to hold the people. I'm telling you, mark the tape, as they say. It's coming. So the children of Israel here, God was not, was not angry with them because of their passion for Him or for more. He was angry at their craving rather than their hunger. We've got to make sure we understand that he did, not, he did not consume those outside of the circle because of their passion. He, he consumed them because it was in the wrong area. Secondly, when you look here, it's hard when I think about being hungry and I think about craving. It's hard to eat 
when you're not hungry. Amen? Would you agree with that? If you, if you let me eat like I like to eat and I get to that place where I got to have a recliner, <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about. I got to stretch back, loosen my belt, get my shirt untucked, right? You got to let some stuff air out. <laughs> Things expand. You let me eat like I like to eat and then offer me a donut. I had a dog like that one time. Her name was Spotty. She was as wide as this church. Bless her little heart. She had a little square back. You could set, you could set a plate on that thing. She was wide, short and wide. And I remember giving her, she would eat as long as you set it in front of her. I tried it one time. I thought, I'm going to just keep feeding her. Just stuff, you know, just see how long she'll keep eating. And I kept setting it down and she just gobbling it up. And eventually I got where I put it down there and she put her face down to it like that and then she'd look up at me. But she wouldn't eat it. And then so I'd go to reach for it and she'd, put her, she'd grab it. But she wouldn't let me have it, but she wasn't hungry. But she knew she'd be hungry later. Right? And so she was just sitting there miserable. She didn't want to eat it, but if I kept reaching for it, she'd eat it. Right? So that's kind of the same way. How do you eat? How do you remain hungry? How do you eat when you're not even hungry anymore? So this is what this passage to me was saying. It's simple. Here's how you do it. Work more. Move more. Is that right? When we are working, we are moving. And when we are moving, we are expending energy, which leads to greater hunger. In short, we should always press forward to God. We should always be God chasers. If we continuously chase God, we are going to continuously expend energy. And if we're expending energy, then we need more food in order to sustain us. You with me? This is why God tells us, blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Right? Because you, if you truly chase, and I truly chase God the way He desires to be chased, you're never going to get enough to satisfy the hunger in your life. You with me? You see what I'm saying? This, get that picture. This is what God's trying to teach the church today and all of us. we got to quit craving other things which fill us and cause us to become lazy and slumbery. Is that a word? I just did. Slumbery. More slumbered. I don't know what you say. Just ruined the English language. But we got to quit doing those things and keep chasing God so that we stay hungry. Our, our, the greater the chase the more energy spent. The more energy spent, the more room there is for more outpouring. Amen. Amen? Amen? This is why He gave us the parable, right? That He would pour blessings out on us that we're not able to contain. That it would just keep running over. And that run over, it gets on other people. It doesn't mean that, that He quits pouring in and that we don't quit receiving. He's just pouring in faster than we can receive it. It doesn't mean stop. Right? I want to remind you of a story where the prophet there was talking to the widow woman who was about to lose her, her, her sons. And remember, her husband had died. And, and they required this. She owed them some, some money. And they were coming after it. And she said, I don't know how I'm going to pay that. I can't pay it. And the prophet said to her, do you have any oil? She said, I got just this little vial of it in the house. Remember that? And he said, okay. He said, send your boys out there to get some to get some, some vases, right, some things to hold the oil. And as long as she poured oil out, 
it continued to fill the water pots. It continued to fill those pots up. That little vial of oil was filling up great big old pots. It was not running out. As long as she poured, and as long as they kept bringing, going and bringing the vessels, as long as that was happening, that little vial never ran out of oil. It just continued to pour. Can you imagine her, her mind and those boys' minds? Mama, how is how's that little old vial, I can imagine it being the size of your finger, full of oil, filling up these great vessels. I mean, we done went everywhere in the neighborhood asking for empty vessels, and it just keeps filling them up. But it said when she asked, or he asked, the prophet asked, he said, do you have any more vessels? And they said, no, we don't have any more. He said, the oil stopped. What it teaches us is, when you and I quit going, when we quit searching, when we quit looking, the presence of God is going to stop. Amen? We have got to continue to press and go get them vessels, right? Get these vessels empty so the power of God can continue to pour in. Amen? It will go in as long as we want it to. As long as we keep seeking, as long as we keep going, God will provide. Amen? He will provide. So here, it's hard to think about eating when you're not hungry. But if we keep moving and pressing toward Jesus, keep seeking Him, never stop, then He'll keep pouring out His presence in our lives. Here's what I've learned. When I get full, when, I get, when, when the hunger level in my body gets satisfied, my cravings decrease. You with me? When that happens, now look, as long as all I'm doing is feeding myself junk food, craving, it, just, it gets more and more. Right? That's why they tell you, you can't eat one potato chip from a Lay's potato chip bag. That is a true story. <laughs> Not because I know, but I do. Right? You can't eat just one. You say, yes, I can. Give me a bag. I'll show you. Yeah, I understand. But you let me let you sit around your house. Ain't nobody else watching. <laughs> Especially today when most of it's air, you will eat that whole bag. Is that right? Because it leaves a taste in your mouth that the only thing that quenches it is more of it. Right? So as long as I'm pouring in junk and all I'm eating is junk and I just got these cravings, it just, that craving leads to another craving. And y'all know what it is. Chocolate. When you eat Lay's potato chips, chocolate just goes with it. It's like peanut butter and jelly. Peanuts and chocolate. Is that right? M&M's, peanut M&M's and Lay's potato chips. Straight from God. Right? You just, it just leads, one, one, one craving leads to the other craving which leads to another craving, Dr. Pepper. Cold Dr. Pepper. Lay's potato chip, peanut M&M, Dr. Pepper. And that leads to Krispy Kreme donuts. Because now you have salt again and you need sugar. <laughs> Y'all get the point. And for me, that leads to pizza bites. Because I got too much sugar in my mouth, now I need something spicy. Come on now. But if I just eat what my mama cooked, right? Corn, asparagus, whatever it was. 
And I'm sitting there going, I don't want that. Right? You know how we are. And she said, well, I thought you were hungry. <laughs> I wasn't. I was just craving certain things. But if I eat what she gave me, I found that I, my stomach gets full and I don't have hunger anymore, which then in turn drops my craving desire. The fuller we get of God, the less craving we are to things of this world. Amen. And the more of God we get, the more of God we want. Amen. Right? Because it causes us to run and seek Him and not sit still. When you sit still, it's because you have indulged in something overly and now you are just lifeless. But you can't overindulge in God. It's what you need. It just keeps coming. And it just keeps fueling you. And you have energy like you've never seen before. I'm going to help some of y'all today because I know some of y'all have had this question. How can it be that a man or woman walked into the church building with a walker and could barely walk to their seat, which was two rows from the back? How can that be? And then as a service began to move and the power of God fell in the building, that same person jumped up out of their seat and ran seven laps around the church wide open without a walker and then went back to their seat and stood there. How does that happen? Outpouring. Amen? See, when you get God's presence in you, the energy of the Holy Ghost is what, is what jumps on somebody, which causes somebody to be able to leap over a pew. You with me? I'm trying to help somebody. Right? When the Holy Ghost moves in a church service and people say, that man's crazy. What's the man? Look at him. He's, just, he's within himself. No, he's not. No, he's not. That man was hungry for God. And he was chasing God. And God filled him. And he had a spurt of energy hit him. Right? Because when the presence of God hits you, you get an energy like you've never had before. Your hair stands up. Man, and people start speaking in tongues. Look. That's not something that's scripted. The Holy Ghost just, what that is, is there's such an outpouring of the Holy Ghost that it just overflows. Amen? You with me? Golly, y'all listen to me. I wish, I know some people that have questions about the Holy Ghost. Listen, that's what happens. It's the outpouring. It's the stuff on the saucer. Amen? It's the presence of God pouring into that vessel to the point that it's over full and it starts running off to the side, right? That's what happens. The Holy Ghost hits them and it just comes out and boom, it just comes out of their mouth and then they just start running, right? That's what happens. That's what happens. And then they jump over pews. You've heard of people running on the edge of the pews and never twisting an ankle or falling off. Power of God. Amen? They weren't in church prior to service practicing that. <laughs> there are people that really believe. I wonder how long you had to practice that. <laughs> you can't do that. It just happens. Outpouring. You with me? Third, verses 16, 17, and 26. See, when you read this story on down further, Moses talked to God and he said, Now, Lord, I can't take care of these people. <laughs> there's too many of them. Right? That's where I told you. He said, there's 600,000 of these guys here just by themselves. And you want me to feed them meat? Where am I going to get that? They ain't a bilo around here. Not to mention, not enough for 600,000 people, not including their wives and their children and their grandchildren. Two and a half million, three million people. Depending on what scholar you're talking to, right? How, how am I going to feed these people? And why would you give these people to me? Moses started complaining to God. 
He said, why'd you do this to me? Why'd you give these people to me? I, I can't deal with these people. I can't feed them, and I'm tired of listening to them whine. This is what he said to God. He was telling him here, read it for yourself. He was complaining about it. What am I going to do with these people? I don't know what else to do. So God said, all right, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, Moses. This is what he says. And the Lord said to Moses, gather unto me 70 men. I'd still be looking at God like, what? Three million. And you want me to get 70 men plus me? That's 71. How are we still going to feed them? But God said here, I want you to get 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be elders of the people, leaders, and officers over them, and bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation, that they may stand there with you. Verse 17, And God said, I'll come down and talk with thee there, and I will take of the Spirit which is upon you, and will pour it upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, that thou bear it not thyself alone. Verse 26. Now, Moses said to those 70, I want you all to be here at the tabernacle, 9 o'clock in the morning, sharp. I don't know what time he told him, he just told him. He said, I don't want y'all to get here. So 68 of them get there. Two of them remained in the camp. Now evidently them two were doing what God wanted them to do because he didn't get mad at them. The Bible says here that if you read previous 2.26 that he poured his spirit out on these men like he said that he was going to do. And they had the same power and anointing on them as Moses did. And they began to prophesy. And he said, but there remained two of the men in the camp. The name of the one was Eldad, and the name of the other was Medad. And the Spirit rested upon them, and they were of them that were written of the seventy, but went not out unto the tabernacle, and they prophesied in the camp. Later down, there were some people that said, hey, these guys weren't even at the tabernacle, but here they are prophesying. It was Aaron. Aaron was one of them that came to him and complained to Moses and said, hey, these guys have been standing in the camp prophesying, and they're not even you. They were in themselves, right? You going to allow that to happen, Moses? <laughs> and, of course, Moses, you've got to read it yourself. He just rebuked them and, and told them it was of God and, and uh, that they shouldn't be so zealous. But what I want to point out to you is this. The outpouring of God is not limited to just one place. Come on, somebody. He poured His Spirit out upon those 68 men in that tabernacle. But it's not just limited to one place. Where there is genuine hunger for Him, there is a genuine outpouring of His presence. What happened on Azusa Street in 1908 can happen in Hodges. What happened in Brownsville in 1995 can happen in Hodges. What's happened in Asbury College in Kentucky can happen in Hodges, South Carolina. Amen? We just need to be hungry for God. Amen. Right? His outpouring is not limited to one place. It's not limited to two places. It's not limited to that place. What he's looking for is hunger. These 70 men were handpicked by Moses because he saw a hunger for God. Amen? Remember God said, pick me out 70 elders, officers, translation, leaders, People that are, that are leading people in God, in Christ, that are hungry, have a passion and have a desire. Pick me out those people and I'm going to pour my spirit on them. What I want you to see is God is looking for true worshipers the Bible teaches us in the New Testament. And then he goes on to say, and that time is now. Amen. God is looking for true worshipers, those that will worship him. 
And those are the ones that He's going to pour His Spirit out upon. And great revival is going to happen in them. And great revival is going to happen in their camp. Amen, somebody, huh? You see what I'm saying? Now is that time the New Testament teaches us that we should hunger and worship God. When we do that, then the outpouring comes. He poured it on them in the tabernacle and He poured it out on them in the camp. We had an outpouring, a little outpouring here Sunday, but He's been pouring it outside of the camp. Amen? And He's going to do that if we'll just keep being hungry. Amen? Church, if you hear me, never hear me say anything else. I truly believe this. I was praying to God today several times today. I came up here lunchtime, I was praying. I came up here before church. I anointed every chair that you're sitting in. I anointed every place in this building, every door in this building, every, even the bathroom doors I anointed. Amen, somebody. I anointed everywhere. And I asked God to bless and to pour out. Amen. Bless and pour out. He is, he is, he is doing it. All we need to do is get hungry for Him. This is what I want you to see. We have, if you've never heard me say nothing else before, we got to take an inventory of what's in our cupboard. Amen? What's in this cupboard? What's in your heart being the cupboard? Take an inventory of what's in there. What's in there that will sustain life and what's in there just to satisfy the cravings? From all three of these revivals that I've read, there is a common denominator. They took self out of the way and they instituted God. Amen? In every single one of them, they said they had to remove themselves and let God be God. Amen? They had to clean out the cupboard. They had to open up the cupboard and they had to look in there and say, okay, now this isn't sustaining life. This isn't sustaining life. Right? This isn't sustaining life. All these things that you and I fill our cupboards with. If you're like me, I've opened my cupboards before. And Christy's not here today. She's going to see her granny. But she'll tell you, I have opened our... our we got a pantry. It's got four doors on it. Fat people got to have more than two doors. I got two up here and two down here. We ain't even talking about... We didn't have to talk about the refrigerator and all that other stuff. This is just the little cupboard right here. Four doors. I opened those things up one day. I said, ain't nothing to eat in this house. And y'all, no lie, the, the, the boards in there were bowing. They were bowing. And Christy said, what do you mean? You ain't, look at all that in there. I said, there ain't nothing to eat in this house. <laughs> what I meant was nothing that I was craving. See, I had a bunch of junk threw up in there. But nothing really what I was craving at that moment, but none of it really was good for me, but just a couple of things in there. So we got to clean out the cupboard. we got to open up that, the pantry and take all that stuff out of there that is just cravings. And when it's all said and done, the only thing that will be left in there is that which will sustain life. It may not be what you desire, but it's what you need. Amen? Come on now. Well, preacher, you telling me I shouldn't desire God? I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, is desire Him and not the things of Him. Amen? you get, you got to have a hunger just for Him. Look, I mean, seriously. Are we coming to church so that we can, so that our bank accounts can grow? Don't answer the question because I'm sure some of you have. I have. Are we coming to church and giving an offering because the Bible says that He'll give it back to you, pressed down, shaking together, and running over? There's a lot of people that give tithes because they're scared God's going to take away from them if they don't. Amen? Some people, are, some people you know, that, that's what it's all about, right? We're coming to church because we, we, we want God to bless my finances. I'm coming to church so I can find me a man. I'm coming to church so I can find me a woman. I'm coming to church so I can, so I can get votes in the community. Right? 
See, we're filling our cupboards with cravings. There are people that are coming to church. I would venture to say to you, and you've been in church most of your life like I have, that I would say most people come to church not necessarily for God, but they come to church for what God can do for them. I had somebody rebuke me one time. They said, I said, look, the church is not a hospital. And they said, yes, it is. I mean, we had an argument about it. And I said, yeah, I can see your point. Yeah, this is a place where hurting people come to be healed. But this is not a hospital. This is a house of worship. Jesus said to them that you're making a mockery of my father's house. And it is a house of what? Prayer. Amen. It's a house of praise. This is a house of worship. You with me? We come here to worship the king. And when you worship the king, he pours out healing. He pours out financial blessings. He pours out healing. He pours out all those things, right? You with me? We got to come hungry for God, not what God can do for us. I know what the scripture says. It tells us that we should, that we should be looking and hungering for, the, for, the, for the, the fruit of the spirit and the things that he talks about. But it's him who gives rather than the gifts. Him who gives them. This is the common denominator in all those great revivals. Their hunger was for God. That was it. Pastor Keith said something else after, but church, you can tell we were talking about this for quite some time today. This is what he said. He said, you know what struck me, Mark? I said, what's that? He said, those people that have been there for a week now have lost their jobs. Some of them some of them have lost their jobs because they haven't been back to work. Huh? Some of, them, some of their grades are going to drop because they ain't even been in class. Come on now. Some of these people's relationships are going to fail because they hadn't been back home. You with me? Let these words of Jesus echo through the building. He said that if you're going to come after me, you must deny yourself first. Amen. Then take up your cross and follow me. Remember what he said, what he said to, to his disciples there? He looked over at James and John and, and he looked over there at Peter and he said, leave your nets. Is that right? One particular person said, let me go bury my father. He said, let the dead bury the dead. Is that what he said? Now, I'm not telling you here today for the sake of jobs. I'm not telling you here for the sake of relationships. What I'm telling you is there's a cost to this kind of presence. Amen? And when, we, when, when, our, when our concern is greater that we're going to miss God than we're going to miss a meal or that we're going to miss punching a clock or that we're going to miss this, when our hunger for Him is greater for those things, that's when you'll see a true move of God. Amen? Amen? Here's what I know. That job will still be there when, they get, when God gets done with them because he's God. That relationship will not leave. It will get stronger because he's God. In fact, what will happen is, is that same person you were worried about losing is going to be kneeling beside you, praying with you, Amen. worshiping with you. You with me? Huh? All of a sudden, that bill you were worried about not paying because you've been at church for a week and you didn't know how he's going to pay for it, God takes care of it. Amen? Amen. You with me? Yeah. I'm going to miss my doctor's appointment and I'm not going to have the medicine I'm going to need. God will heal that. And you won't need the medicine anymore. See what I'm saying? Yeah, boy, I don't know if I'm getting anywhere. Y'all with me? Listen, I want to read a quote to you 
from a man named Nick Sandifer, lead pastor of the Porter Memorial Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky. This is what he said. The test of true revival is not what happens in the moment, but what happens after the moment. Amen? Amen. True revival is not what happens in the moment, but what happens after the moment. Amen? See, this is why we got to be God chasers and not thing chasers. Because it's not about what happened in the moment, it's what happens after. Measure of true revival is not the joy, it's not the laughter, it's not the, the, the utopia of the presence of God that makes your hair stand up. All that's part of it. All that's part of it. But the true measure of revival is repentance. Amen? If it is true revival, faces will be on the floor. People will be crying out for forgiveness. At Azusa Street, at Brownsville, and right now in Kentucky, that's what you're hearing as well. People asking God to forgive them. Amen? And revival breaks out in the place. It can happen here. Amen? Right here. If you pray with me here today. Hunger is when you become empty to the point of fatigue or death. Craving is just simply a longing for something not due to hunger, but rather desire. Please let your hunger for God be greater than your desire for anything else this world has to offer. Let your hunger for God be greater than your desire to even see miraculous things happen in the church. Come desiring Him and He'll do the rest. The Bible teaches us that, right? Seek ye first His kingdom and His righteousness, meaning seek Him first. And then all other things will be added unto you. He'll do that. You won't even have to ask for Him. It can happen right here. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word tonight. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing right now here at Gethsemane Church. I don't know when that great outpouring is going to happen. But I know it's going to happen because you revealed it to us, myself and others. We've seen visions, seen dreams of what's going to take place in this church. Gethsemane Church, little Hodges, South Carolina, that nobody even knows where it is. But one day, they're all going to know. I know that. I sense it, I feel it. Every spiritual fiber in my body, God, I know that the time is close. I sense and I see a sifting that your word teaches us where you're separating the chafe from the wheat, separating true worshipers from those that only partially worship. I sense it, I see it. I feel it. And I'm going to be honest, God, it makes me nervous. It makes me nervous because I'm a pastor and I don't want to lose anybody. But I also understand, God, that you said that 
Now is the time. Now is the time where you're looking for true worshipers who will worship you in spirit and in truth. Those are the ones that you're going to pour out the last days outpouring on. And in order for there to be a great outpouring, there's got to be a great foundation. And the only foundation that it can be built upon is your son Jesus. Pure, holy, righteous. Those that are purely seeking your face. Not perfect people, but people that are perfectly pursuing you. Those are the ones that you're going to begin it on. And it will grow and flourish beyond any of our thoughts and dreams. I know it, God. I feel it. And I thank you, Lord, because we sensed it Wednesday light a week ago. Not ironic that that revival in Kentucky began then and that we felt it here. And the tremors of that revival continued Sunday greater than Wednesday. And Lord, I just feel that the preparation that you have placed in front of us tonight is only setting up for Sunday and next Wednesday and next Sunday and next Wednesday and next Sunday and next Wednesday and next Sunday. We have no idea where it's going to go and what's going to take place. But I want to be ready and I want our people, God, your people to be ready. Father, cause a greater hunger. Stir it in our hearts tonight as you already have. Help us, Lord, to do an inventory as we said of the things that are in our cupboard, our heart. To throw those things away. That only thing remains is that which sustains life. And they will have room for the great outpouring that you're sending. God, I pray that you would grant that tonight. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to sound like. But I know what it's going to feel like. Oh, I know what it's going to feel like. Because I know you, Lord. I know you, Lord. Help us, Lord, to keep our eyes on you. This week, God, tomorrow, oh, God, help us to wake up in the morning hungry. Help us to wake up in the morning looking. The ones that are here tonight remind me of the 68. Not all of our church is here, Lord. That's obvious. But the ones that are here, you promised an outpouring. Hmm. Let it fall. Let it rain. Pour it out, God. On these that are here right now. And just like the two that were found back at the camp, let it begin to fall on those that are not here tonight. Wherever they might be, God. And let everybody around them wonder 
what just happened. Because they're not in a church service like we are. They're on their jobs. They're in hospitals. Wherever they are tonight, let it fall on them, God. Lord, let it fall on those that you will. And let revival begin. Let it begin, God. Let it begin. Thursday, Friday, let the anticipation, let the hunger pains become greater the closer we get to Sunday. Saturday, God, let there be such a hunger that we can't even stay away from this place. Let it be so great, God, that when we pull in Sunday, we top the hills from Ware Shoals and from Greenwood, from Cornaca and from Hodges, from 96 and from Malden, from Graycourt and from Simpsonville. When we top the hill, Lord, let us be looking for the flames of the Holy Ghost to be jumping off the building. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Oh, Father. Oh, God. Let there be such anticipation, God, that when we walk into the building that the Holy Ghost falls on your children. Lord, that we can't even make it to the altar. Let it begin to fall, God, all over this place, in every home, in every heart. Oh, God, let it be done, God, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Glory to the Lord. Oh, we praise you, God. We praise you, God. We praise you, Holy Ghost. We praise you, Jesus. Let it fall, God. Let it fall. Let it fall, God. Mm. Burn up the chafe that only the wheat, only the wheat comes Sunday. Glean it, God. In the precious name of Jesus. In the precious name of Jesus. I'm going to ask everybody that can today, if you're able to stand and approach the throne of God right here at this altar. I really feel the presence of God so great. I want us to come find you a place around this altar and seek God just for a moment if you would.